So if the hierarchy exists, it's again because it is an ordering, right? The ordering includes every baptized person. And so I think that that's the part that maybe people don't get is you have a spot, you as a layperson, and you, Oscar, mm -hmm. and you who may be listening if you're a layperson, you are a member of the hierarchy of the church. I'm sitting across Father Joe, a Catholic priest. Yeah, and I'm sitting across Oscar, a Catholic layman, husband, slash father. Alrighty, so so last time we met, we were talking about oh, you're just gonna jump into it. being spiritual, not religious, and we <laughs> talked a little bit about the next topic we were gonna jump into. So I'll let yeah, you. Yeah, we kind of last last time we were with y'all, we we kind of had this. The, we I, I we talked about it afterwards, and we really felt like we were, we 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 loved how there was a a building on of the previous episode, and so we thought it'd be really great if we could try to build it, especially what because um, it felt like it was going. Um, it just like kind of naturally goes into the topic that we have today, which is, okay, so then what is the church, right? Uh, we, we were saying, uh, I, I, if, I, if memory serves me well, last week I was saying the church is not merely hierarchy. And, and I think a lot of people, that's what they think, right? When they think of the church, they think of priests and deacons and religious sisters and nuns and brothers and the cardinals and the pope. And that's it, right? So they think of you know all the people that wear the funny clothes, um, and, and, the and that's yeah the habits or the yeah you know, the clerical garb, and and that's what they think of as a church. But it's that would be su that is such an impoverished, anemic view of the church. So today we want to just talk about what the church is. Yeah, and I think you said it's not only hierarchical, right? So, but we should start there. So. Um, kind of like that part so mm -hmm. that then we like branch out, I think that'll be good. So when we're talking about the church, I, I understand it now, but, uh, people refer to the church as almost like female, right? Like her, mm -hmm. why is that? Typically when we say the church and we use a pronoun, we will use the she. So uh, what does the church want? She wants us to do this or she wants us to do that. That's, that's, that, that's very good. Yeah. Um, why is it considered a she or a church? Why is it given that feminine attribute um, is because, I mean, this would be a whole talk on theology of the body, but, um, but generally speaking, um, the, the, I'm trying to not sound because if we're not doing the 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 building up of the body the, the the theology of the body it may sound a little misogynistic. We'll talk about this soon, I promise. Yeah. But um it the 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 female receives the love of of the male and then returns it, right? And so uh if the church is the bride of Christ, right? And maybe I should have just said that she's the bride. <laughs> Would have been easier. Um, but the reason she's a bride is because she is receiving from her bridegroom uh, everything she is. So, or think of Adam and Eve, right? Um, Adam is put to sleep, and uh, and the, the the rib is taken from him, and from that Eve is formed, 
And so on the day of uh, the crucifixion, Jesus' side is also pierced. The blood and the water pour forth. And from his side, just like Adam's side, his bride comes out. And that's the, 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 that which is born of body, uh, of the blood and the, and, the, and the water. So baptism and the Eucharist is what creates and forms her, his, the bride, his bride, the church. Yeah, <laughs> I saw your eyes not, pop open. Yeah, no, awesome, because you tied. Um, so I had read on that. No, mm -hmm. go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead. Oh, I had read a little on that, right? Because, yes, uh, Jesus thought as a groom, the church the bride, and then, uh, like, the only words I know how to, like, put it into, but it's like, Peter, like, mm -hmm. almost like, yeah, right? Like, yeah, right, vicar, so yeah. crucifixion happens, church. And then there's a lot we could go into, right? Like the early... Sure. I mean, in the early stages of the church, the early, the first couple centuries, there's um, there's all this development, right? And, um, and all of these different images of the church kind of come forth. And so she is considered, she's spoken about as the bride of Christ. She's talking about, she's spoken about as the body of Christ, which is also another uh, way that we can refer to the church. Uh, she is referred to as the people of God, right? The assembly, the gathered together. Uh, the word church comes from ecclesia, which is called out. So it's the people that have been called out of this world into this new life, into this new something. Um, and so uh, there's all these different attributes to what the church or who, more accurately, who the church is. Um, and again, to just look at it as, oh, it's those priests and deacons and the stuff that they do on Sundays at the, at the local, you know, tall building is, is a disservice to it and is, is really an, an anemic uh, view of, of, of what the church actually is. Yeah, I want to um, kind of jump into this part, which is that even though we do see church as buildings, we drive by them. I mean, if you drive the main roads just here in Laredo, like you have a few Del Mar, you got St. Patrick's, right? Then mm -hmm. you drive down Bartlett and it's uh, Saint San Martin. San Martin de Porras and Guadalupe Street right now is where we're at, right? Christ mm -hmm. the King. And so you see the buildings, right? But like early on, like the church was, there was no buildings that people would go like and hang out at or go for mass and celebrate. So there's the church can also be thought of like, what is it called? Like, like at home? The, the, the domestic churches, the, 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 the whole, the church. What were they the house churches or yeah house churches is that what they called them um yeah the first christians gathered in in someone's house like that was literally the church as you would go over to such and such uh family who whatever whoever had the bigger home that more people could assemble in they would host everyone else and that was the church right yeah in time after persecutions are over and more and more being converted those houses are insufficient they need bigger spaces so then they begin to just adopt the Roman basilicas, which are where large halls, meeting spaces, and that becomes a new church. And then church buildings kind of go through uh, this evolution, right? Then uh, some churches start begin being formed and built as a uh, in a cruciform. Uh, so a lot of churches in, in in Europe, if you look at it overhead, if you were to have a bird's eye view, you'll notice that the church is shaped like a cross. Uh, like a cross or like a person, right? Uh, with arms and, and, and legs and the head. And so again, the church is not a thing. It's not just a, a build. It is not a building. It's it's a person, right? It's the, it's a collective person that is 
uh, you and me and every single baptized throughout the throughout the expanse of time. Yeah, and um, so domestic church, right? People are celebrating early century, right? Like first century, they're celebrating, they're um, getting together, um, and then there's a lot of persecution. I was talking to you last time, like 300 years of that before we someone can freely like maybe like uh, build a church and and we start seeing like bigger congregations right but like 300 years in in europe and asia uh, europe and and and, East and western asia uh but then other periods of persecution in japan in yeah. africa in south america so uh yeah persecution's uh is, is something that the church knows far too well. Yeah. And those first 300 years, the reason I'm, I'm kind of like, uh, I guess, focusing in on those is, so for it to make it out of like small gatherings, our family into, you know, now the buildings that we may see, the you, you referenced like the Basilica. And when I was reading about that, I'm like, oh, it makes a lot of sense, right? And how even now, I, at least I haven't seen a Catholic church where it's like stadium seating, like, and it's, it's it's well thought out of, and I was actually going to mention to you, I was at, um, is it right off Meadow? It's uh, St. Joseph. Mm -hmm. Like whoever did the artwork there, have you seen it? Mm -hmm. I hadn't I hadn't been there, but like just the beauty that that, that church has now, and we mm -hmm. baptized Bella there. Mm -hmm. And so now as I was looking at it, I'm like, I don't remember like was, all this artwork. It's, like, totally it's really, really nice. But anyways, there's some beauty to church, right? And the way it's built and all that. But um, okay, so... Like the whole hierarchy. So mm -hmm. I think we do need to jump in there. What is the hierarchy? And then I think we can jump into like, okay, so how, then what's the role of those um, that, you know, do attend church, that go to church? Like maybe what's the church for in general? And we could keep it super simple mm -hmm. and we'll probably dive into that. But yeah, what's, what is the hierarchy? And we don't have to go into the history. That'll be like, yeah, a long time, but like, what is the hierarchy? And I, and I don't, and I don't know it well enough to just rattle it off. I would have had to print out notes like, and stuff. But um, sure, um, like I said, yes, um, the church does have a hierarchy. We we would be foolish to ignore it, and you know, contrary to what maybe some kind of modern way of thinking would say, like. A lot of people want to, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, ditch the patriarchy, or is is it ditch it, or, or th overthrow, or, or sometimes it's eat the patriarchy, or whatever it is, right there. Probably ditch it. Uh, you know, all all there's all this like antagonism against authorities and 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 these structures nowadays. Um, in the church, it's not going anywhere, and it never will. There will never come a time in the Catholic Church where there will be no pope, no bishops, no priests, no deacons. I can, I can say that with with every certitude in my in my being. And the reason for that is, as we had noted in a couple of episodes ago, I don't think it was last one, maybe two episodes or three episodes ago, we we talked about how God is a God um, uh, of ordering, right? We had. It was that time that we were talking about making our bed in the morning. It was about uh, whatever it was like that. Um, and, and, and that kind of applies here too. Or, or you can look at the church as uh, a continuation of that creation, right? So the reason why I had brought it up that one time, or maybe not the reason, main reason, but one of the things I had said is that in, in the book of Genesis, when God is creating the world, that's exactly how he creates, right? Over these cosmic waters, again, all of this is um, poetic language because... 
if there was nothing before, then how do you describe that with our limited understanding of we, we don't know what non-existence looks like because it doesn't look like anything, right? Yeah. So anyway, so we're using poetic language, but God begins by separating the waters, right? He creates uh, the, the waters above, which ends up being the heavens, and the waters below, which ends up being the rivers and the oceans. Then he separates the waters from the land. Then he separates the, the he creates uh, the sun and the stars and the moons, and he creates the division between night and day. Then he creates a division. And so he, he's making all these divisions and distinctions and he's creating order where there was this just kind of chaos. Um, well, if that's what God does in creating and God wants to create a new people, a new, um, a new human man and woman um, that's restored um, in, his, in his image and likeness, then then that reordering is 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 something that's going to have to can you can see it in that way as well so if the hierarchy exists it's again because it is an ordering right um the ordering includes every baptized person and so i think that that's the part that maybe people don't get is you have a spot you as a lay person i'm talking to you oscar mm -hmm. and you who may be listening if you're a lay person uh you are a member of the hierarchy of the church. Um, and, uh, and the rest of the hierarchy exists um, so that grace can be dispensed, right? I'm, I'm hesitant to use this because there's something deeply wrong with, 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 the, with the concept I'm about to say, but like trickle-down economics, right? Yeah. <laughs> trickle-down economics does not work, and I think it's awful and, and terrible, and it creates poverty. Um, but if we can take that um, that idea of grace trickling down, um, again, not that the Pope receives more grace than the person at the very bottom of the, of the hierarchy, um, but that the Pope is entrusted with this so that through the bishops and through the deacons and the, the priests and deacons, uh, and then through... Uh, heads of, of, of domestic churches. So you would be the head of your domestic church. I'm um, talking about you and your wife and, and, and Bella. Uh, so then it goes to you and then you're supposed to dispense it and, and give it freely to the, the, your domestic church, which is your family. Yeah. I, yes. And now I'm going to take, I guess, the whole how I view it. And when I started seeing the hierarchy, I started, I don't know, just organizations started popping up in my mind, mm -hmm. specifically like the industry I am, I'm in, right, which is like retail. And I see it um, where, you know, there's the head, you know, people that are in charge. So people know them as CEOs. And that's kind of like the person that's in charge during a certain like time period sure. as the popes are. right. And I don't want to downplay like the church, but like that's the best way I could kind of see how analogy. it trickles down. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's an, an analogy. analogy. So um, then it trickles down and there's all these buildings. So you could think of, I don't know, let's just take a, a, a big, um, how would I say, a big chain of stores. And uh, I won't use mine, like the one I work with, but I'll use one. Let's just say a mall store. Huh? A what? Like a, ma a mall, like okay. the mall okay. store, right? right? Sure. And so these, these stores are put at every galleria. They're in every city mm -hmm. and they appoint someone that basically is in charge of, of those stores. And then I, when you said the baptize, how you have a place in, um, in the, that you're in the part heart, of right? the church, right? Is actually like every employee, once you like sign a contract and 
in a way ba- baptism mm-hmm. um even though as catholics we're like it's it happens like earlier than like more protestant right like where not always but yeah but we do a lot more infant baptisms right, right? and so you as as baptized people i kind of see that as employees like where where you you know you are brought into the company and now you're a part of it now the rules right so the way i thought of the rules is there's procedures there's policies there's all these things in play and like sometimes they do change like um and you see that kind of i guess my question is then even though all of us are a part of the church right like baptized right um and in whatever role we're in ultimately uh, some decisions are made like when something changes in the church or like there's um oh man i don't know my my thought like so if they have to not update but they have to like you know now consider something like and they have to make a rule for it mm-hmm. then who makes that decision and uh just as the ceo might change something for the all the stores all the company the pope might be is is he the one that to decide you know when something needs to be updated changed and if i don't know if you could like exactly go there yes okay so let, let me put a little bit of meat on the bones of your analogy right so uh let's pretend that uh this store that we've um and when i is called uh um joe's boutique or whatever awesome so joe's boutique uh is um is 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 in store is in it's got retail stores all over the u.s and there is it's it's a obviously um has a headquarters somewhere and there is the cfo and there's a ceo and and all their staff etc right um and now there is suddenly a global crisis of something called the coronavirus right which is going to necessitate policy changes, which is going to necessitate um, protocols and, and, and make decisions like, especially on in, early on, of potential closing, of shifting towards a more online presence. Uh, all of those decisions that retail places, I imagine, had to make, um, you're asking, is that if all of those are ultimately on the CEO, is it is it fair to kind of, um, to transpose that and say, um, the church, when she confronts a new reality and needs to make adaptations or what have you, um, is that on the Pope? Yes. Beautiful. By the way. Yes. So, uh, (laughs) well, before we move down to church, I would ask, is it the CEO's sole responsibility? I mean, maybe the buck stops there. And f- by and large, people. Oh, it also depends on the way their corporate is. Yeah, no, no but structure. I'm sure there'll be people that see the reality uh-huh. and try to have suggestions now. Yeah. So uh, a, a CEO, oh. and if if the CEO knows what he's doing, he's not going to just unilaterally, arbitrarily decide. Starting tomorrow, um, I've written this br- brand new corporate policy. I've redone absolutely every employee handbook etc uh overnight here it is distributed to all your employees and have them signed by the end of the day not a good not the best idea there's going to be all sorts of problems right because i don't care how brilliant he is he did not consider every um unique situation did not consider the uh the 
unique situations of each of his stores throughout the continental U.S. They haven't made it to Joe's Joe's Boutique, hasn't made it to (laughs) Hawaii or Alaska yet or international markets. Um, But uh, but he has I don't care how smart he is. He hasn't considered all those things. Right. So um, so a, a good decision, a good way of actually confronting something like a global pandemic would be for him to listen to the boots on the ground, right? To yes. listen to store managers, to listen to team leads, to listen to his employees. Every single employee would have something to contribute to that conversation, right? And so a good CEO or whoever's making this final decision um, is going to be listening to, um, to, to, the, to all the members of the hierarchy because the decision is going to affect the entire thing. Okay. Uh, again, this is an analogy, right? Yeah. And all analogies fail at some point and they break down because while it, this can give us an insight as to how the church works, the church is not a corporation. Yeah. And I'll say that again. The church is not a corporation. Now, granted, the church has, um, uh, what's it called, um, tax-exempt status. And so we have EINs, uh, per per parish uh there is a there is a a visible structure of the church because of finances and 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 just the way she operates in the world that's necessary but the church is so much more than that and so we can't reduce her to just a corporate mentality no and we also have to understand that the goal of the of joe's boutique is what Money. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, maybe they try to heart, you know, they try to give back to the community. I, I'd like to, I'd like to think that Joe's boutique would give back to the community yeah. somehow. Uh, sure, they try to create uh, um, positive work environments for their employees and all those um, beautiful little things that we tell people so that they'll want to work for us. Um, I'm sure all of that's true, but at the end of the day, Joe's boutique or any other retail store in 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 the world is trying to make profit right and to maximize profit is the church's primary goal to make profits some would say yes it is the church just wants to take and squeeze every cent out of its people no she doesn't right money is not the end goal of what the church does what is the salvation of souls right the salvation of souls is the is the church's number one priority and if that's the case then her decisions so the church also had to confront the reality of the pandemic. That was something that was not um, only isolated to retail stores and schools and stuff. So the church had to do that. Uh, in every single diocese in the U.S., eventually we took. Uh, they didn't all happen. It all happened at the same time. But in every church in the diocese in the dioceses of the United States, the churches physically closed their public services. Right. Um, this was early on in the pandemic when we were trying to do a full on quarantine for people. Remember when they told us it was going to be two weeks? Remember? Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, so the church responded that by, by doing that, Um, some people will argue and, you know, kind of lament the fact that we did it. And frankly, I don't know, you know, if we get to heaven and we get a little bow bow, a little slap in the hand for having closed the churches and so be it. But if we saved one soul, if we saved one life, then I'm. I'm willing to, 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 to take that slap on the wrist or whatever it is in, in, yeah. in purgatory. Um, but those decisions that should, the church had to make of closing, 
Um, this one in particular of closing the Church of Christ the King and St. Patrick's and St. Joseph and all the other ones that you just mentioned that are part of our diocese, that did not get sent all the way up to Rome. The Pope did not individually <laughs> look at um, cases of the virus in the seven counties of South Texas that make up the diocese of yeah. Rome and then decide, yeah, I, you guys are going to have to close for a couple of weeks. No, <laughs> um, it also did not. It wasn't his second in command, whoever that might be over in the Vatican. Yeah. It wasn't anyone in the Vatican. It did not go beyond who? Beyond the bishop. Yeah. So the way that churches are structured is that we have a bishop um, in our diet, in our local diocese, in our local church. That's what we call the diocese is called a local church. Um, and so the bishop is the one that makes those ultimate decisions again. A CEO would realize that he is not all-knowing and all-powerful, right? So he would say, I need to hear the, the voices of, of the people that, that know about this. And so Bishop DeMaio did that, right? He listened to uh, CDC's suggestions. He listened to that uh, local task force that was putting out, um, giving us information on how we, where, how we were when it comes to numbers of, of, of cases and, yeah. and the, the, whatever, the spikes and stuff like that, um, listen to priests and, and, and deacons and, and, and people at the parishes and what do y'all think? And so we had meetings, right? So some people would might be upset about that and say like, well, I didn't get to go, you know, but you know, at, you know, at Joe's boutique, they're not gonna, it's not gonna have a, if there's a, you know, 20,000 employees of states, uh, US wide, they're not going to have a Zoom meeting with 20,000 people to ask every single person's, you know, uh, opinion and voting and stuff like that. That's not how it works. Their, their input is taken into consideration, right? And, and, and they're more to it, their lives are taken into consideration and how it's going to touch upon them. And then a collective few representative of the rest makes those decisions, right? Yeah. I, I love one, how you elaborate on it, but, um, I, then the question is, okay, so I think that clears up, right? How different local churches, you know, make those decisions and ultimately like if, I don't know if this is the case, but like, um, pandemic protocols don't make it into the rule book, if you would say like for the Catholic church, right? But, um, what is the rule book? Like, what is the book that in a way, um, the whole policies, procedures that the church uses that they update. Um, and of course, right. Like guys, I see. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting, uh, question, right? Again, this is analogy people, right? So keep that in mind. Um, a rule book, right. Um, or, or her governing policy or her, um, it's like know, the handbook for right. the new. So like, I could, we could offer, I could offer you a couple of, yeah. of, of answers, right? Um, when you say the word rule book, the first thing that comes to mind is canon law. Okay. Right? So there is a code of canon law, which is, um, a book that's about yay fat, um, about two inches. And it's code of canon law. That's so a, the, the uh, code of can the, yeah, the code of canon law of 19, 19- 80 yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah there was an older code and it was revised and the new the updated code is from the 1980s um and that's the one that governs every roman catholic church right so that's universal law and applies to everyone 
that's part of the rule book. Um, the rule book is also, or, or that particular rule book of, the, of canon law is also based on natural law, which is this understanding that there are things that God has put into place um, in the created world that we are also bound to, right? Okay. Uh, so things like, um, and some of it we kind of take from scripture, some of it we take just from like, uh, almost like philosophy and stuff like that. Um, so Sunday, right? So Sunday is the first day of the week, right? Um, now you could theoretically say, well, my, my week starts on Monday or whatever, yeah. but, but almost universally Sunday has been the first day of the week. You look at your calendar, it starts on a Sunday, right? Um, and so why is it that we worship on Sunday as opposed to Saturday, which is what the Jewish people from whom we bring, we, we kind of grow out of, uh, because God told them to rest on the, sa on the Sabbath, right? On the Sabbath day, which is Saturday. Um, so why do we worship on Sunday? So why, well, why, why, right? Why didn't we just stick to Saturday? Well, because Christ resurrects on Sunday and Christ resurrects on Sunday, which is the first week. Yes, but it's also the eighth week. Uh, if you count one through seven, okay. it's the eighth week. And so eight is an, is a symbol of newness. Uh, it's also a, well, if the first Sunday was the first creation, then the second Sunday, this eighth day, is the first the start of a brand new creation. And so Christ has come to recreate us uh, and, and to kind of restore oh. creation, right, to, to build something new. So all of that is kind of what we consider natural law. Um, and so canon law is based on that kind of stuff. So those are maybe two parts of the grand rule book of the, of, of the church. But the biggest one, the biggest thing that governs what the church and how the church operates is the person of Jesus Christ, right? Now, this isn't exactly a rule book. We're talking about a person, right? So some might say, well, that's a cop-out, right? Yeah. Um, but based on what we know of Christ, of how he has revealed himself, uh, and that's in the scriptures, that's in the way that we worship, uh, that is um, in, the, um, in the theology that has arisen through the magisterium, $20 word for today, uh, the teaching authority of the church, right? So bishops and, 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 and theologians throughout the centuries, uh, all of that gives us um, results in what the church sees as kind of the mind of Christ, right? This is what God, that Christ would will to for us in this moment. In the scriptures, you will not find Jesus talking about, hey, if there's ever a global pandemic, yeah. uh, this is what I want you to do, right? So that maybe cheesy line of what would Jesus do is, is essentially what the church has to continually discern, right? What would Jesus do uh, faced with a global pandemic that is threatening the physical livelihood of people? Um, what, would the, what would Jesus do if, if, this, um, if, if everyone's telling us that um, we ought to isolate and we need to do all that, and yet Jesus also says that that the, that the Eucharist is what sustains us and 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 gives us life, and so we have two things that are maybe juxtaposed and at odds with each other, and so we have to discern what would Jesus do, right? Do we discern properly this time around? I don't know, right? Um, we closed oh, our churches. No. Yeah, I don't know. We closed our churches, and we a lot of a lot of the parishes went to live streaming. Um, we encouraged people to do. 
uh, spiritual communion and, and, and to spend time at home as a family listening to the word of God um, and, and, and praying, right? And praying for the end of the pandemic, etc. Did people do it? Pause for people to reflect on their own <laughs> response to uh, their, their faith. Um, I don't know, right? And so, but that's what the tri church has to do, right? And uh, inevitably, because the church is both divine, because she possesses the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, but also made up of very, 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 very human people. Uh, and so the church errs in, 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 in certain ways in, in, in the physical responses that we have towards things. Um, and a lot of times we kind of get, you know, uh, condemned for just that. Yeah. So uh, way, before we take, before we elaborate on, on or go into what I want to go into, which is like, Okay, so what role does the catechism or the Catholic Church play, mm -hmm. right? Oh, is that what you want? Yeah, to yeah. Ask? No, no. Well, possibly, <laughs> right? That, that could be book? that yeah, could be part, part of the rule book. book. Sure. Yeah. And I think it's, um, and then I want to jump into so the way I, I was watching, I was watching. I caught myself another one. I was watching the video telecast of a podcast, right? <laughs> okay. But um, where they were talking about three things, um, which is um, we evangelize. Right. And then we go through catechism. Like, so let's say someone's listening to this, wants to, you know, join or become part of the Catholic Church. So you're, it's uh, evangelization, then through catechism and then uh, the theologizing. So like the catechism, I think uh, I want to jump into like what role does it play? But before we go there, I want to take a little short break. We'll do the question of the day. Sure. So we'll jump into that. Last time you wrote number 71. Oh, you remembered a no 751. Okay, cool. Oh, nice. 751. I remember you seven. remember the seven in the morning. That's yeah. impressive. All right. Now comes a time where we just, yeah. So now we just want to just, I, I think that the, the, the point of, of this is, is just to get to know each other. At least that's the way I see it. Yeah. And, and I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I, I tell couples that are getting um, ready for marriage, I tell them that we are mysteries unto ourselves, right? That that there is, there's there's a very common phrase that gets used in, in, in Catholic circles, where we say that God knows us better than we know ourselves, right? So that means that there are things about ourselves that we have yet to discover, right? And if that's true about me, then that's also true about literally every person around me. So you can be married for 30, 40, 50 years and think you know everything there is to know about the other person. But if they are mysteries unto themselves, then that means that they are mysteries to you. And so part of the great adventure of marriage is to to discover the mystery yeah. that lies before you, right? And, and to, yeah, it's part of, a, part of the adventure. So in an effort to kind of get to know each other and so that our listeners can kind of know us about, know us a little bit too, uh, here's, um, it's not a question, it's a, it's a, it's a imperative, right? It's a, it's a command. <laughs> um, it says, describe one undeniable fact about yourself. Undeniable fact. Like it's a fact, like it's there, it's factual, it's reality. I think it would be something like, Everyone, anyone that really knows you sees this. Okay. It may, it may not be super obvious. So it doesn't have to be something that's, that's blatantly obvious, but it's something maybe that 
Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to guide you. I don't want to. No, I have it. Okay, go ahead. So one undeniable fact about myself is that I tend to look at things from a like a humor, like perspective, mm -hmm. and so I'm. One, I think anyone that would listen to this, if that I've kind of come to know over the years, they know there's some level of like dry humor, sarcasm that it could be anything. And I'm always thinking. I told uh, people I work with that when I'm walking, which is like uh, walking the you know our our store, and like my brain wants to go there, like just like say something humorous, and and so the undeniable fact I think is that that you'll probably expect like some sarcasm, some humor some i don't know have fun with whatever's some going witty on remark yes wit and and then bella got like most witty as i think like oh, like nice. early like chip off the old block yeah <laughs> but i think it's that that's an undeniable fact i think uh that's something that if someone's listening they would agree with what I, I i i promise that this is true i was thinking the exact same thing about myself yeah that's the exact same thing that i was thinking about myself is that i value uh, tremendously the gift of humor. Um, I think I've shared with you my favorite saint. Um, is it the one that says, I'm done on this yes. side, turn me to the other. St. Lawrence, right? So St. Lawrence was a deacon um, during the time of persecution. Um, and when, so there's another side story, I won't tell that why he basically gets condemned to death, but, but when he is condemned to death, he is basically thrown onto a, a hot grill. Basically he gets grilled to death, right? And so uh, when he's thrown on there, uh, he is so excited to be offering his life to, to be to becoming martyred uh, for his faith and for Christ um, that he and, and he says, as what you just said, is like, I think I'm done on this side. You might want to flip me over. Um, and then he becomes uh, I mean, this is tongue in cheek. It is. But like he's the. Um, patron saint of grill masters. So, oh my God. Yeah, uh, yeah. So if you're if you're struggling to, to get that perfect steak uh, on, or on that dia de carne asada, um, you want to uh, invoke the the, the 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 intercession of Saint Lawrence. He's also the patron saint of comedians, um, and 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 he's my favorite saint because I try to I I love the fact that he's so in love with Christ that death is is nothing. Right, and and he could face even that with just a little bit of humor. And I try to do, I try to emulate that by even when I'm doing something, when something's happening, and I'm, you, you know, well, we're talking about hierarchy today, so sometimes we we attack the hierarchy, right? And because we don't like the, what they're asking us to do. So as administrator, I know that I'm not the most popular guy sometimes, right? When I make decisions that 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 aren't going to be popular, um, and so. In the face of that, I, I try to bring a little bit of humor into it. I try to just make light of it and, and not make light of the situation, but just for my own sake uh, to, to just take a little bit of the edge off and just kind of remember that this is fine. You know, uh, God's still in control. I, I, I don't have to take everything, it, it, you know, deadly serious um, and I can have a little bit of fun. I love laughter. I love comedies. I love... Uh, anything that brings joy and laughter, I'm going to be all for it. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, we yeah, ended same. up saying the same thing. And so, por eso me caes bien. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. So, um, no, that's awesome. So, that's we'll good. get back <laughs> to the conversation.
what role does a catechism have or why why didn't you think of that when you were like mentioning uh, canon law natural law and then the person of jesus why didn't i think of that just because i don't know Charlie. <laughs> because i've only had one cup of coffee um it's it, not even that early we both slept in yeah Full disclosure people we both slept yeah. in today and but, <laughs> but is it first coffee. so the catechism it's is it relevant. something that that um obviously we go to through catechism right mm-hmm. uh early catechism mo- right yeah now. but say yeah an adult is converting mm-hmm. you know to being a catholic is that something that would be beneficial is that like a, a rule book is it like i i find it pretty um yeah it's 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 incredibly enlightening it it is um very commonly will people priests recommend that every person should own a bible and a catechism and maybe the reason why i didn't think about it is because if you look at the footnotes of all uh, throughout the catechism of the catholic church uh, what is it going to uh, refer you back to? What is it going to cite? Is it's going to cite the scriptures, yes. which I had spoken of as, as a rule book. It's going to cite uh, canon law. Uh, sometimes you'll see uh, CIC as the initials for the co- Codex, Udex, U, 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 whatever it is, the, in okay. Latin, the code, of, code of Canon Law. Um, and it quotes the saints and, uh, and, and papal or... Uh, official church documents which is part of the magisterium so um so the the catechism ends up being kind of a compendium of all the different sources that we kind of use to kind of understand the mind it's like a study guide yeah in a way like if you want to know a little more of this um right go go to this scripture so it doesn't actually it doesn't really read like a like a novel like it's yeah, it's, it it, it's not something that you would want to pick up and just like okay page one and then start yeah. going down you could and it'd be informative um but but it's it's not designed to be that way it's, it's designed to be more of a reference uh, a source of reference right uh, it's divided into four sections one of them goes over through kind of the creed and so basically it's saying what do we believe uh one of them goes through the sacraments and so it's how do we live that um, another one looks at the moral life, uh, the fourth, uh, I, I might be saying yeah. them in the wrong order, but there's a third section on the moral life, the ethical life. And so it's, how do we respond to different, um, uh, realities in our time? And then the, I'm pretty sure that this is the fourth one is the, um, uh, section on prayer and spirituality. Um, and so all of that is meant to be kind of this, um, this, these big bookends that kind of keep our Catholic life intact. Yeah, no, and I... I think it, it it is it does point um and it does quote a saint so I found myself reading um a section on it and they were quoting Saint Augustine's Confessions mm-hmm. and um it's so in a way it's super insightful because you'll get to it'll point you to what you need to read now I I didn't um if you could like share a bit because I don't understand it that clearly doctors like like. Uh, they say he's a doctor of the church. What does, what does that mean? Well, so the doctors of the church are just um, saints that gave, um, just kind of some insights into our faith, into the scriptures, into something um, that really become kind of pivotal and 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 so it's basically just given. It's an it's a it's a title honorary title given to saints that contributed to the intellectual theological um 
you know, um, treasury of the church. Almost like understanding. like yeah. the... So they're the theological giants, right? The okay. ones that had this great insight. And, and, and again, through the grace of God, right? It's not by their own means. Uh, but through the grace of God, had these tremendous and, and, and powerful insights into uh, who God is and how he operates in the world. Okay. So we touched a little on hierarchy, touched a little on on who makes the calls and where they get made. And I think at least for me, it was insightful because um, sometimes we might think that so like things don't become which I want to get into. So the canon law, like when things do when a church faces reality, um, Pope through the rest of the hierarchy, yeah, the rest of the, the hierarchy. hierarchy. Mm-hmm has to make an update a change include something in canon law that that does that happen often or like no it doesn't (laughs) no 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 the church really does think in centuries is a phrase that gets commonly used the church thinks in centuries and so that's why she so often gets labeled as antiquated and 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 get with it church you guys are super um you're stuck in the uh, medieval ages or what have you uh, which is a really mean thing to say about the medieval, medieval ages because it was actually a time of great enlightenment. Um, but uh, so we, we, we get a little stigma for that. But the church thinks in centuries because um, she's taking all those things and prayerfully taking them into consideration before making rash judgments that could have these repercussions that maybe society in its rush to find answers doesn't, you know, take the time yeah. to do, right? Again, because if you're looking at politicians, well, politicians are trying to get reelected in, 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 in the next cycle, which whether that's two, four, six years away, um, you know, they, 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 can't, they can't take what the church takes and, and really mull things over and <laughs> think about it and discern and, and, and try to see different aspects of what could happen if we take this decision versus that decision. Uh, politicians don't have that kind of luxury if they're trying to get reelected, right? Um, same thing with uh, corporate structures, right? You can't spend, you know, um, years in development of like some potential uh, change because by the time you finish those ten years, that Amazon te- will that, take that's you obsolete, or or yeah, or the technology or the idea that you had yeah. was obsolete. Uh, we don't, yeah, we're 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 flying spaceships by then. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so. So the church has that benefit of being able to kind of take her t- take her time, um, and again, it's because at at stake for the church's decisions is the salvation of souls, and so that's not something that the church um, takes lightly. Okay, I think um, well, I think that's a good part to kind of like start wrapping it up. Yeah, well, so so we we, we can wrap it up with maybe with this one of my favorite images of the church. I, I you know I said people of God, um, uh, the, the bride of Christ, uh, there's different titles and I wish I had, I could think of more, but there's a lot more than just those as, as images of the church. Um, Mary is an image of the church. Um, but my favorite and the one that I try to, um, the one that kind of becomes a kind of, um, a, a modus operandi for me is that the church is the mystical body of Christ, right? Um, it's biblical, right? It, Jesus talks about um, about us being the body. He talks about how we are all members, or sorry, uh, Paul talks about this, uh, how we're all members of the same body, and how um, if you if 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 your hand is in pain, 
does your other hand just say, oh, well, good luck with that? No, right? It shares in the pain. And so there's this beautiful um, corporate, literally, that's what corporate means, bodily, bodily reality to the church that we are all interconnected. And most importantly, that we are connected to Christ, who is the head, the one that governs and sustains is the one that gives us direction, the one that um, makes possible all those movements. If you literally think of the head, that's where the brain's at, right? And that's the one that's sending the little impulses that make us move and are able to walk and tells our lungs to, to breathe in clean air and to, you know, cycle it through our, through our um, uh, nerve, uh, blood, bloodstream. Um, and so the so i would move and we had i hadn't told you this but i would move that maybe next time we talk about the church as the mystical body of christ because that's going to help us to understand why we do what we do when we come together on sunday um and celebrate mass because i think that that's even for the for the for the lifelong catholic that's gone to mass every sunday um of their life um, I don't know that we've really assimilated and come to a full understanding of what it is that we do, why we do it, and 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 how it's supposed to be life-giving and, and supposed to shape us. And so I'd like for us to kind of yes. explore that next time. Sounds good. No, looking forward to it. So we'll wrap it up there, and then we'll see, or you'll hear us next time. Yeah. <laughs>